soundtrack. Hello and welcome to the Natalie Wise Woman Podcast, a place where I bring the wise women and men of this world to discuss different topics related to becoming your highest potential. Enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Natalie Wise Woman Podcast. Today I'm joined by Cristiano Paoli who is an entrepreneur originally from Italy, uh, but has moved to Costa Rica. Uh, he has been sober for over 30 years. And during his sobriety, he's been helping other people as well on their, their journey. Uh, I wanted to invite Cristiano because addiction is something that as long as I can remember, it, I, I remember I can, I have been very fascinated by this topic. So you know, when I was younger, I, I always wondered, you know, why people get attached to something so heavily that kind of all the lies come in and they just focus on this one thing. And I I kind of wanted to learn about that. And, and that's also an interest I've had to work with people that have different addictions. So I, I wanted to bring someone on who has personal experience and kind of, you know, there's a lot of stigma still around uh alcoholism and alcohol abuse and kind of that it's just about self-control or or that it's just about the alcohol so I wanted to bring more awareness to this topic and also you know share a real story of how you can get out of it and uh, how you can heal from uh, from addictions so thank you Christiana for being here um First, uh, I would like to know, I don't know if you remember the exact moment when you realized that you had a problem, problem, but what was it and when was it that you realized that, oh, I, I have an abusive relationship with alcohol and I need help? Well, uh, just thank you, Natalie, for this opportunity. I'm really grateful to be there, to have a chance to share uh, my experience, uh, first of all, I'm not um, in the recovery business. I'm somebody that drank for 10 years, not stop, started at 15, and finished just before turning 25. And uh, I remember two things. One, the day I discovered that alcohol was like the answer of, of everything. and uh, I remember that first beer in the morning after school, at the beginning of school, when you had two, three hours of, of school. And then the first two Borg beer was a, that beer. I remember that. And the feeling you have once it goes into your body, then finally, you know, you feel like, like normal. You don't have to hide anymore. No, I live like, like, like a summary for so many years. I, I tell why later. And then the last couple of years, it was getting so bad that alcohol wasn't fun already for a few years. And when I realized I lost control because I thought I had control for till the last last year, I think. This is when I started to ask for help because I was quitting drinking and I was started back drinking, promising, um, 
this time I know, I know this time I'm not going to drink as much, just try to control it. And as soon as I have a few, few gulps of beer, whatever it was, the, the alcohol of choice, that moment, everything will disappear. Like nothing happened. All the bad stuff, all the pain, all the damages, all the accident, everything will disappear in one second. And uh, it got nothing to do with self-will. Actually, alcoholics has a lot of it. You just lose control. And uh, this is when I asked first time, like to my doctor, uh, which I used to get uh, anti-anxiety pills to control the nervousness. And he said, well, there are no pills for, for that. No, I know there's some groups that 12-step program that can help. There was very little knowledge of that when I quit drinking early 90s. And then at the end, when uh, when I really didn't didn't know what to do anymore, and I asked for help to my sister, I was at the edge of suicide. It was like actually uh, ending my life uh, was was an option because I didn't know what to do anymore. I tried absolutely everything, and this is when my sister came in and she said, "You want to try those meetings?" And I said, "Okay, I got nothing to lose. Let's go." And from that moment on, I found a bunch of people that had my same problem. They didn't judge me. They didn't ask me how much I drink. No. The only thing that I was asked was, do you have the sincere desire to quit drinking? Because if you're not sure, it's not going to work. You need to be really at the bottom, the deepest bottom you can imagine of, of pain and sorrow uh, for that in order to, to quit drinking for good. So this is the, the two moments I remember. Thank you. And so then you you got help um, and you quit drinking. How did you move on forward? Because that's when the journey kind of starts, when you stop drinking and you have to, you know, you live a different life uh, and kind of have to create this new life. So how did you move on forward? Well, at first you have to learn how to live without alcohol. So doing that alone is, it's, I don't know anybody. I know people that quit drinking and became just very bitter, sad person. I didn't want that. And staying with people that have been through this already and, and help you to go through the initial pain, the change of behavior, you're going to lose uh, so-called friends because just, you just don't belong to that kind of life anymore, the party life and and that. And then uh dealing with social life and work outside work without the help of alcohol because actually alcohol was a help for many years no and uh we have to learn that first and then learning not where the alcohol abuse came from but if we started either drinking, drugging, or any kind of addiction, now there's so many, like, like it can be chocolate, it can be porn, it can be uh, shopaholic, uh, gamblers, you, you name it. It's all a coping mechanism. Now, I couldn't stay by myself alone for too long. A little bit of sadness or a little bit of euphoria will take me to alcohol immediately because that was my drug of choice. You know? Sometimes people use different drugs together uh but there's always one that trigger all the other that's the main one for me it was was and is alcohol 
So going through a process of uh, letting go, everything that I thought I knew, everything that I learned before about myself, about how to live with alcohol, and and that's the first step, you know, just letting go everything, and then being guided by other people with years of experience, and then uh, there's a long journey, which is uh, really an adventure. I loved it. I'm not saying it's easy. No, it's hard work. But discovering who I am, where I'm coming from, where a lot of stuff come from. Uh, the first time you deal with actually pain, like emotional pain without the help of alcohol, it's all a growing experience. I mean, the, the first time was extremely painful. And then, uh, I mean, it's life in life's term. And before, I couldn't deal with anything except with with the help of alcohol. And, uh, and then you learn how to do everything without it. And it's actually a beautiful life. I, um, I managed to do so many things without alcohol and, and, and learning and coming out of my shell and you know, this is what brought me away from Italy and, and uh, adventurous life, not without uh, obstacles and pain. But I wouldn't exchange the best moment as an active alcoholic with the worst moment of a sober person. Absolutely not. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's not something you can do alone. Absolutely. Yes, I think you said a lot of uh, interesting things like um, kind of you said that that you had some nervousness and this was a way to cope with that and that it was helpful in a way so it did actually help you with the problem underlying problem that you had and I think this is something uh, that Gabor Mate talks about as well who works with uh, with people that have addictions he usually says you know congratulations this thing has been keeping you alive because otherwise you might not be here because you probably had so much pain and anxiety that you needed something to cope, you know, uh, to help help cope with the situation. Uh, but of course, it's not a strategy that really works in the long term and you destroy so many things around you and your own health. So, um, you know, it, there is a need to find some new way to live. And I think you you mentioned a few interesting things there. But I so the question is not really why someone drinks alcohol, because obviously everyone who has drunk alcohol or most people that have done it will say that, you know, it brings you some kind of relief and you can kind of relax and all that. So uh, that's not the question. But I think alcohol is especially interesting because it's so, uh, so socially acceptable. So then you have to kind of live in a world where everyone, you know, still continues to drink alcohol. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's definitely a challenge. And I think, you know, there's new movements where people are getting more curious about sobriety, even though they don't, they haven't reached rock bottom and they don't have like an everyday struggle with it. But I think, you know, if I, if I look at my own life, you know, I, there were years when I used to drink every single week and three times a week, and it wasn't really, you know, the, the relationship was a bit abusive. So I think it's also interesting that people, who don't have this really extreme uh, addiction to alcohol can still also um, live a really beautiful life. Like you said, you know, you can uh, go on adventures and do things without it and have, have a different kind of life. So how, what would you say are some of the signals um, 
to someone who's maybe thinking that do they have an abusive relationship with alcohol or not? They're not sure. What are some of the signals that you would say, okay, when is it a problem? Being an alcoholic, uh, first, uh, only you can decide if you're an alcoholic or not. And it's not about quantity. It's about how you drink it. Uh, in my case, I was lucky enough that I drank so much so young that uh, I had serious issue with uh, with my health and uh, around with my life very young. You know? I had pancreatitis at 21. They said I would I would drink myself to death in a month to be dead. I drank for four more years. I was lucky enough. But I know people that drink maybe once one glass a day, but the whole day they be thinking about that day because the alcohol is just something that will we use it to relieve uh, a life we don't want or to hide uh, feeling that we don't want to feel. You know, so if for me is if I drink the first glass and then I want another one right next to it, uh, I definitely have a problem with alcohol. If other people mention, oh, maybe he's drinking or she's drinking too much, definitely there's a problem with alcohol. Uh, the decision about doing something about it is about a person. Nobody else can say, hey, you need to get help. No, it's you need to touch your personal bottom. Uh, right now, uh, there's younger, younger people aware of this and quitting drinking much younger age. I know people like 11, you know, which is alcohol and drugs and stuff. They know it's a problem. They know you, they can get out of it. But it's, it's all about uh, a personal decision. There's no doctor that can say you have this. The, the one thing that is different, like, Alcohol, once you become an alcoholic, there's no way around it. I mean, you can work on yourself and get a better life, work on your childhood trauma as much as you want. You have a marvelous life, I can say that. But once there's a chemical change in the brain, it, it doesn't matter how many years I've been not drinking or how much I learned by myself, how much work I did. Uh, if I try just a tiny bit of whatever, and I, I will go back drinking and I will drink worse than the last time that I drank because the alcohol just keep going on. So for me, alcohol, it's a no-go. Uh, it's not that after such a time you recover from that chemical addiction. You recover from the obsession of alcohol. I don't crave for alcohol or any other thing. I don't have a handshaking I used to have the morning after, you no. Know? But I do have to stay away from the substance. For other addiction, it's a little bit different. Like people with bulimia or, or eating disorder or probably with codependency, you still have to eat and you still have to deal with people. So that, that I think it's a little bit harder to deal with. But of course, you, you can. You know, there's a group that can help you uh, to start with that. And then the self-search that you need to learn who you are and what are your fears, where everything comes from. And there's no hurry for that. It's in everybody terms like life will show you when you need to move forward. Yes, absolutely. It's everyone uh, everyone's own journey. So from your own experience, what would you say is the best thing that someone can do if they have someone in their family or a friend or a, 
parent or someone who's uh, clearly dealing with uh, addiction, what is the best thing that some, how can someone support someone else? You mentioned that you can't force anyone to get help. Yeah, the, the worst thing you can do is, is saying you have a problem, you need to do something because we, we just go the opposite way. No, uh, if you're in a family, you chose to live with somebody means you also have issues. So the group of support for family of, of people with addiction and you have to deal with your own issue. You know, why you chose a person like that. Uh, if you're born in an alcoholic family, you didn't choose to live there, um, but you learn how to cope with that kind of environment that create a lot of damages. So my suggestion is uh, people work on themselves first. And then just being aware whether the person with the addiction shows kind of an interest or saying, I, I don't know how to do this. It's just too much. I can't. Then it's a time to offer a hand. Hey, do you want to try? And then you look in the internet, there's plenty of information of 12-step groups that can help, you know, and, and go there. Uh, going there too early uh, is actually worse. I mean, maybe you get the information, but you might get rejection and you don't want to go back. So my wish for everybody is to suffer enough to do something about it. Going there just because you're pushed by the law, by a judge or by your family. Sometimes it's work. Most of the time it doesn't because there's there's a lot of work to do after that. And you need to be really convinced that you had enough. Me, For me, alcohol is a friend. Uh, I'm not using it. It helped me to cope with my own stuff when I was a kid. Uh, I was living like in a submarine mode, like always, like, like nobody see me. And, uh, and alcohol helped me out to get out. And then, of course, I had to pay the toll for that. And it hurt me so much that I decided to do something about it. And now it's still a friend of mine because first I can have help people with the same problem. And second, also sometimes, you know, uh, things happen in your life, but the fear of going back a drinking will keep me moving on my personal growth, like self-discovery, going back in time to see what are my childhood uh, trauma and all that kind of things. Uh, without that, maybe I'll be lazy and I'll just live like a uh, tasted, tasteless life. No, when you kind of find your comfort zone and you stay there, my alcoholism doesn't allow me that. I either go forward or go backwards. And backwards is extremely painful. It's death for me. So, Yeah, so forward is a good direction. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing is static in life. I, like you, you, you look at the nature, universe, everything is moving. So you either go backwards or forward. Yes. So forward, yeah, it's painful. No, But <laughs> going back, for me, it's not an option. I mean, it's a it's it's a horrible death. It's a horrible death, yeah. and no life at all. The most constant thing in life is change, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. Uh, so, do you have any kind of routines or some kind of tips to people, or something that you do in your daily practice, or something that helps you with kind of? addictive patterns or thoughts or behavior or that you recommend to other people 
Okay, usually, at least for me as a as an addict, is when the day start like beautiful or it's a good day. I think this is going to last forever. Uh, of course not. Uh, it's the same of the opposite. When I wake up with the wrong side of the bed or whatever, for whatever reason, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna paint with that color everything that is ahead. This is what used to take me to drinking, or either euphoria or depression or sadness none of them are good friends recognizing i'm in a state of either euphoric or happy which are totally two different thing or it just i woke up and i'm not in a good mood recognizing i'm not in a good mood and it's okay to be like that is the first step and then i think the best advice that i learned in all these years of practicing 12-step program and stay with people is what we call rule 62 no don't take yourself too seriously and this got so much meaning like when i'm mad at something it's just oh, come on no it's and when something seems so important that i can't live with with without that or somebody's not answering the phone and i get obsessed no i just remember that don't take yourself too seriously i have a huge list of things that i've been through my life and lots of them life threatening uh and, and i managed to go through them and from any one of them i learned a very valuable lesson so if I wake up like in a bad mood or something, I just I have to remember, you know, uh, my blessing, and then I have to remember to be grateful that everything that comes to me has a purpose. So I never learn anything from pleasure, pleasure or happiness is there to enjoy. I learn from pain. So when something goes, let's say wrong or people don't do what I was expected, or somebody just let me down, or I can use anything. Uh, there's always a lesson behind that. And the more painful, the, the biggest the lesson. Now I, I cherish those moments. I don't look for them, because life will give me enough to deal with, but I cherish them. It doesn't matter how painful or how bad it is. No, I just remember, so okay, there's a something really important for me to learn so i don't avoid the pain anymore i don't numb myself uh i, I just go through the pain and see what's behind this is what, what i learned especially the last few years with the very painful stuff happened i now i just bless all of them so yeah thank you for don't take yourself too seriously <laughs> yes absolutely Thank you for that. Like, I mean, that's exactly what I, in the previous uh, episode, I talked to Virginia about victimhood and that's exactly kind of what we talked about that don't kind of in these struggles in life and challenges, that's actually where we get to grow, where we get to learn. If we just, if we can be grateful and also kind of just, okay, what is this experience trying to teach me? And, you know, I don't think we're here to just live a happy, happy life every day and not have any challenges. I mean, you know, life, that's what brings kind of color to life when we get to have different emotions. And, and I can really relate to what you said, like when something, something challenging happens, like I try to really be grateful and, and think about like, even when I'm like crying and sobbing, and you know, really in this painful moment, I'm like, you know, on the other side, I'm almost laughing at myself, because I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, life, this is experiences. And, 
you know, this is where I get to grow. So I think reframing is a really, really powerful tool. And that's also something that I use in therapy with my clients, but it's, it's, it's a really, you know, if you can look at life from a different lens and reframe your life mm -hmm. and it will just become so much more beautiful. Yeah, there's one thing we have to be very careful, and it's going on a lot lately. There's a lot of people on the internet that talk a lot. And uh, one thing that we usually do is when we're in pain or something's going on, we try to, to give an explanation to avoid that or to change. Like you have to think positive and all that. It just, that's, that's not the right way to deal with. Uh, we have to allow ourselves to feel what's going on, like a grieving, like I wasn't allowed to grieve my grandfather death when I was nine. That made so many damages in myself and I realize now, you know. So if you lose somebody, even a dog or something, if it's okay and it's very important to recognize what's going on and allow yourself to experience that. And then you can move forward and learn the lesson. Uh, a coping mechanism is not only alcohol. It can be just uh, thinking like, no, no, it's not. It's not like that. It's not painful. I don't want to feel that. And then you distract with either a friend that will allow you to distract or with anything else. That's the wrong thing to do. I mean, going through the pain and leaving the pain, it's okay. I'm not saying that if you are angry uh, in in the street driving because somebody i don't know just miss a red light uh you don't you don't fuel that no you recognize that you get a little mad and then you just you just keep going but when you have feelings especially at home no recognizing where they are and what they're doing to you because those are the ones that usually if not recognized and suppressed they either come out later on with addiction again or with physical uh malady like it can be a cancer you create your own cancer i've been through that i had a tumor in my appendix because of stuff that was going on between my father and my mother and i couldn't do anything to make that easier or less painful i just swallowed everything and started to feel sick and a few months later <laughs> i did a scan and i had to do an emergency surgery before it became cancer so we have to be careful how how to deal with uh, with that kind of stuff. Yes, that's I, all totally different topic and very, very extensive uh, ground to go in. Yeah, but I think that's actually a really important uh, point, and I've been thinking about this myself. Like, how can I still stay in a in a positive mind but still feel my emotions? And I think Matias Stefano said it really really well he said it's really important for ourselves in our body to feel the pain and feel the grief and all that so you really let your body feel when you're in sadness or so don't try to go positive in that moment but let yourselves feel it but then your mind shouldn't stay in that moment for like a week so then you you should try to then get out of it when you have let yourselves feel it. So that's kind of a way you feel it and then it transmutes and then you can kind of move on and you don't loop in negative thoughts for the rest of the week. So I think... Yeah, if you get that kind of stuff as a something unfair, which is, it's a normal reaction. Uh, like, no, this is unfair. And then you just sit, no, this is just life. And then this is what I feel. And then you process the whole thing. 
butting in those kind of, of feelings and resenting again and again, that's the wrong stuff. The, the quickest way to go back out drinking or drugging or whatever is resentments, like something that happened and you go back to it. There's a different way to go back to it and process it. Resenting is like you broke your arm and every once in a while you move it just to feel the pain again. It never heals. So it's it, it's a subtle difference between one and the other. Now one help you grow, the other one just take you down the hole very deep. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and sharing your own journey and answering questions about, you know, how people can can get help and help others and, you know, what alcoholism can look like. And I think um, you've had some very important points in this discussion about it and, and to bring more awareness on the topic of addiction in general. Uh, so thank you for being here and sharing. Thank you, Natalie, for inviting. It's part part of the growth is also to share, share and try to help other people. So, absolutely. Yeah. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Sounds good.